0: With COVID cases on the rise, our D.C. Bureau is talking one on one with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Plus, we'll have the latest from state health officials and Governor Holcomb's comments on Attorney General Todd Rokita. All that plus a preview of the upcoming session at the State House and the bill that could limit businesses from enacting vaccine mandates. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. Thanks so much for joining us. The coronavirus crisis continues to take a concerning turn here as we start the new year with cases rising dramatically here in Indiana. 12,000 cases reported Thursday. Hospitals still overwhelmed despite the potentially milder nature of this new Omicron variant. This week, the CDC changed its recommendations for those infected and exposed to the virus. And Washington correspondent Trevor Shirley has the latest.
1: Well, these new guidelines are a bit complicated and the rules differ depending on your vaccination status, but health officials say they're designed to make life easier for most people. First up, when do you need to isolate? The new rules say an infected person, regardless of vaccination status, must isolate for at least five days, but that's down from the previous rule of 10 days. If you don't have symptoms, you can go back to normal life after five days, but you do have to keep wearing your mask for another five days. If you have symptoms, you'll need to isolate for a full 10 days. Now let's take a look at when to quarantine. The CDC says now only people who are boosted can skip quarantine after a possible exposure but should still wear a mask when in public for 10 days. If you don't have a booster shot or you're unvaccinated, you should quarantine for five days and then wear masks for another five days. CDC officials say new science shows people are most infectious in the two days before symptoms appear and for three days after they start. That information guided these new policies. With so many people getting infected and isolating, some worried it would crush the ability of hospitals, airlines or other businesses to stay open. But some critics argue the new guidelines are reckless and rely too much on the honor system to enforce. They also say the rules are too complex and worry fewer people will even bother to follow them. And these recommendations are just that. They're not mandates, and CDC officials say they were actually designed to help state and local health authorities continue to navigate this ongoing pandemic. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley.
0: Okay, Trevor, thanks. Amidst this surge in cases this week, our D.C. Bureau also spoke one-on-one with Dr. Anthony Fauci.
2: The concern on the part of the CDC was that if we have such an overwhelmingly large number of people infected, it could seriously interfere with the functioning of our societal infrastructure. The likelihood of transmitting is much higher in the first five days following the recognition that you're positive. That after five days, if you're still without symptoms, You could go back to your job so long as you religiously wear a mask. All right,
0: meantime, this week, Governor Holcomb joined state health officials at a briefing Wednesday to discuss Indiana's efforts dealing with the Omicron variant, calling out the attorney general in the process. More on that straight ahead. But first, Mike Sullivan with the latest on the state's plan to deal with the rapidly spreading virus.
3: At times, it felt Governor Eric Holcomb was running out of pleas.
4: You may be the person someone trusts that's holding out.
3: The governor begging Hoosiers to receive COVID vaccines and booster shots.
4: In the upcoming year, I will try to do my part to connect with folks who are trusted for those skeptics.
3: His public request came as cases rise. The state's COVID positivity rate sits at 14%, up from 6% in October.
1: Omicron is very easily transmitted and infects and multiplies 70 times faster.
3: Hoosiers who have been infected are being reinfected. There were 683 reinfections today alone. That's why Dr. Lindsay Weaver says don't rely solely on natural immunity.
5: And previous infections may only provide 19% protection against Omicron variant.
3: In the wake of these spikes, there still remains no new restrictions. The governor and IDOH has left it up to each county um, to manage. Carol Weiss Kennedy is the director of community health for the IU Health South Central Region. There have been quite a few more deaths
6: recently, and there are deaths of younger people, and the majority of them have been
3: unvaccinated. Like many healthcare professionals, she often speaks to people who are skeptical of the vaccine.
6: Years ago, we had smallpox, and then we had polio, and we're not getting boosters for those. Why is that? And I said, because everyone got
3: the smallpox vaccine at that time and eradicated the disease. Some unvaccinated Hoosiers may be leaning on new antiviral pills for Merck and Pfizer.
5: And they're expected to arrive today and tomorrow.
3: Just under 5,000 treatments of the Merck pill will go to Indiana pharmacies and require a prescription. 1,060 Pfizer pills will reach Indiana hospitals.
2: That's nothing compared to what they're seeing in cases in a day.
3: Christian Walker is with the Hamilton County Health Department.
2: Folks shouldn't be relying on that as a course of treatment versus vaccination.
3: But if you are still wary of the vaccine, Walker has a suggestion.
2: If you have questions, go talk to that primary care provider that you see annually or more than you know once a year that you are trusting with your health care and have that frank discussion with now. All
0: right, that was Mike Sullivan there. As we mentioned, the governor pointedly directing some of his remarks and criticism at Attorney General Todd Rokita after the AG made these comments in an interview with WSBT in South Bend last month.
7: Well, you know, first of all, I don't believe any numbers anymore. And I'm sorry about that. Really? But they're politicized. Premier this has been politicized. State been politicized. health people, huh? This has been politicized since day one. I think we have to focus on whether or not people are dying anymore. We'll say that I was stunned
4: and somewhat blindsided by the Attorney General when he said he didn't trust any information because that to me um hit home. And it's it's quite serious when you accuse or insinuate um, anyone of inflating numbers. In my book, that's called fraud. If we make an error, we own it, we admit it, and we fix it. We take this very personally, not just professionally.
0: All right, we'll talk about it all with our panel coming up. Meantime, state lawmakers getting ready to go back to work for this year's legislative session with vaccine mandates among the hot-button issues they'll be discussing in the days to come. State House reporter Kristen Eskow has a preview.
6: It could be one of the defining debates of this year's legislative session. In mid-December, lawmakers held a second committee hearing on the proposal to limit COVID-19 vaccine mandates by private businesses. Dozens of Hoosiers addressed the House Committee on Employment, Labor and Pensions. I don't want to not work. I don't want to not be able to feed my children. Republican lawmakers behind the bill say it's those workers they're trying to protect. The bill would require private employers with COVID vaccine mandates to also offer a testing option and cover the cost of those tests. Medical experts still have concerns, with some returning to the statehouse to testify a second time.
2: Vaccine is the single most effective prevention for not getting COVID-19.
6: Democrats point out concerns from the business community, arguing employers should be allowed to make their own decisions.
7: I'd like to see... Uh, employers off the hook for uh, the testing, paying for the testing. Uh, Some of these companies have estimates that it'll cost $6 million.
6: House Majority Leader Matt Lehman, who wrote the bill, says he's looking at ways to address that concern.
4: We just need to narrow that down into more of the cost of the test. I think there are still some places around the state where you can go and have tests done for free.
6: Another change he's considering, allowing people denied for medical or religious exemptions to receive unemployment benefits.
4: Some are saying if you if you choose not to be vaccinated, that's your voluntary, uh, you know, leaving the, the employment voluntarily, we're not firing you. Uh, yet I think it's very clear if you don't get the vaccine, we're going to break our ties with you, that's not voluntary.
6: In a one-on-one interview in early December, I asked Governor Eric Holcomb his thoughts about the proposal. You support private businesses who choose to implement vaccine mandates of their own, but right now more than 50 House Republicans have introduced a bill that would limit vaccine mandates by private employers. So where do you stand on vaccine mandates within private businesses?
4: well i'm i'm where i've always been i think that uh, employers have uh, the best interest for their employees and their business and employees as well because they're working next to someone and we'll see what the language is as you mentioned come this january when we all get together and we have these discussions the devil will be in the
0: details all right that's just one of the hot button issues lawmakers could address here soon as the session gets underway this week from abortion rights to education issues Also, Republican lawmakers working to reintroduce legislation that would allow many Hoosiers to carry handguns without a permit. It's a change to Indiana law some Republican legislators have been working on for years, known as constitutional carry or permitless carry. It's still, to
4: me, it's an infringement of our constitutional rights to mandate, require somebody to jump through hoops, go get fingerprinted, pay a fee. You still have to pay to get your fingerprints done. Wait, God only knows how long. I
6: think politicizing public safety doesn't help anyone. And during a a global pandemic and dealing with the public health crisis in terms of an increased rate of violent crimes, not only in Indiana, but, but across the country.
0: Last session, a bill passed the House, but wasn't given a hearing in the Senate. Still waiting to see if there'll be any action this year on another hot topic, marijuana. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle say they believe medical marijuana legislation Could make more progress this session compared to previous years. In the past, those bills have not even received hearings. Many Republicans at the State House have stopped short of supporting legalization, arguing it's better to wait until the federal government legalizes first. But the Indiana House majority leader says he would be supportive of lawmakers passing a measure to at least examine the issue. And the governor has said he at least supports the idea of Indiana universities researching the impact of medical marijuana coming up next we'll talk with our panel about this latest war of words between the governor and attorney general over the state's COVID numbers and the ag's controversial comments plus the fallout from president biden's meeting with the nation's governors and his comments afterwards in the face of this latest surge in cases Let's talk with our panel now about this latest war of words between the governor and the AG after Todd Rokita's controversial comments saying essentially he doesn't believe any numbers he sees when it comes to COVID-19. Joining us today, Laura Wilson, Abdul-Hakim Shabazz, Tony Samuel, Robin Winston. Laura, I'll start with you. This was a pretty direct and full-throated criticism from the governor on Wednesday.
5: Oh, it really was um, and the governor talks about being blindsided though i'm not sure he necessarily should have been he and the attorney general don't have a particularly um positive relationship but this kind of criticism especially coming from a trusted publicly elected official is really concerning um, to undercut the numbers and the questions of whether or not we should trust the numbers that we've seen. Now, I do think Attorney General Rokita made a strong point about caring about the, the number of deaths, um, but we know that the number of hospitalizations and cases is important too. And so to see this beef kind of play out, especially over something that is literally, very truly life and death. Um, is most unfortunate in our state.
0: There were somewhat vague remarks on his uh, part in terms of uh, exactly what he he wasn't trusting in terms of the numbers. Abdul, what do you make of all this?
8: Uh, Well, it was interesting because we asked the governor uh, that last week, also asked uh, some of the hospitals uh, at a news conference they had with the chamber encouraging folks to get vaccinated, uh, what they thought. They said, hey, if the attorney general doesn't trust the numbers, uh, then hey, he should either, we think they're fudging the numbers and they should, should contact the inspector general or the hospital said, Maybe the attorney general should come down and, and, and count and see what we do. Uh, overall, I don't think the attorney general's words help help matters much. Because in a nutshell, he's either saying that on the good side, or the, at best, he's saying the governor's office is fudging the numbers. At worst, he's calling the governors, the hospitals, and public health liars.
0: Tony, your, your response to that, and what do you make of uh, Rokita's follow up to this? Was he trying to clarify what he said or double down on what he
7: said? Both of these guys for their New Year's resolutions need to decide that they should get together once a week and have lunch or get a beer or, or, or try to get along because it's still three years uh, uh, you know, for them to try to work together or work against each other. Um, but having said all of that, um, the governor is right to defend the numbers coming from the Indiana Department of Health. He's absolutely right. They get the numbers from the hospitals. Rokita wasn't criticizing the Indiana Department of Health. Rokita was saying that across the country, the numbers are not standardized. So you don't have the same kind of uh, uh, re- reporting and classification from hospital to hospital. And that makes it harder to trust because the federal government, through the CARES Act, gives uh, dollars, gives a lot of federal dollars to hospitals um, that uh, for Medicaid and Medicare patients, depending on how they are reported, reporting COVID. There's a difference between dying from COVID and dying with COVID. It's hard to explain. He didn't do a great job of explaining it, but that's what he was trying to get.
0: And and there's a lot of uncertainty about um, whether even that uh, is indeed the case. Robin, the governor essentially here saying Rokita was fueling the flame of confusion and and misinformation.
2: How did did you see this? I don't understand two people that are in the same building can't walk down the middle of the rotunda and say, let's get together and get this worked out. Here are some numbers that that Todd needs to know. 18,000 Hoosiers are dead. 12,000 people infected in the last week, 24 Navy doctors in IU hospital uh, here in downtown. Those are the numbers that we should keep in mind. And not only that, the families that have had this wreck havoc. I think that's a more sensible approach uh, should be done. I still don't understand how two guys who literally about a year ago ran together on the same ticket can be so diametrically opposed in every public policy debate that they have. Hoosiers deserve better than this. 12,000
0: people infected in one day, in fact, uh, on Thursday. Abdul, the governor also doesn't seem too keen on the idea of restricting vaccine mandates, as Republican lawmakers have proposed at the state house. What might we see here in the coming days as the legislative session gets underway?
8: Well, what I, but my sources are telling me is there's going to be uh, possibly a couple different things, a couple different scenarios happening here. And one, the House will go ahead and pass uh, House Bill 101 with the mandates and the governor's exemptions. Uh, to, to lift the state of emergency as is. But over on the Senate side, they're just gonna tackle, at least for now, uh the governor's uh things that he asked for to get rid of that emergency order and not necessarily do uh the mandate the, mand- the, the employer employee mandates. I can see the medical mandates going through the religious one. That one's still a little bit on the tricky
0: side. All right. Laura meantime President Biden this week talking to the nation's governors about this rise In Omicron cases, saying there's quote no federal solution right now. This is different states really deal with this threat quite differently.
5: They do, and this actually gets to one of Tony's points in terms of one of the challenges we have. If we're looking at the ways states are approaching things differently, of course we know the numbers are different in other states. How can we make sense of it on a national level? I do think we need to have some unified direction, some federal leadership, um, and, and of course to also allow states to be able to pursue unique paths as fits them. It's that weird balance in federalism where we want to make sure states have rights, but we also need to make sure we're working together so one state isn't perpetuating or causing more problems for other states, too.
0: Tony, what were your thoughts there on the president's comments? And and at this point, would Republicans even be receptive to a quote-unquote federal solution to this pandemic?
7: Well, the, the interesting thing about the president's comments uh, were what he ran on this. He ran on fixing the problem. He said it over and over again. There's plenty of news clips being played right now, if you watch the right uh, news channels, that show him attacking Donald Trump over COVID and saying that he was going to fix this problem with the federal government, His uh, Chief of Staff Ron Klain said the same. So, you know, we didn't get it back then because the truth is it is a, 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 up to the states to, to get the assistance, and get the you know the supplies, uh, any kind of help that they can get from the federal government. But each state is different, so it is uh, up to the states. So he's you know got it right now, but but he's uh, changing his tune completely. And so now there's folks that are upset with him that that think uh, it should be uh, solved uh, on the federal level as well. He has been terrible throughout this, and there there's been so much confusion over what's coming out of the federal government. Fauci and Biden. And
0: uh, that, that's the real problem. Robin, your your response to that? And, and what will we see here in the coming days and weeks as Congress reconvenes and this White House struggles to get through some of these big challenges on their plate, along with any confusion that's out there now about these new CDC guidelines?
2: Okay, first off, this time last year, we had a president of the United States who was saying it wasn't a crisis, who quietly went and got vaccinated. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. This president has drawn the line had people vaccinated record number of americans have been vaccinated as far as what's coming up on the legislative agenda we lost harry reid harry reid was not a proponent of the filibuster so we've got an opportunity now to do something about voting rights which i think is crucial and do something in congress about it i hope that's what we address
0: what are you expecting to see here in the in the coming uh, days coming weeks as congress uh, returns to work this uh, this next year
5: Well, I I think, as Robin said, voting rights is something that Democrats could reasonably pass and would be huge for the party. That'd be a major victory. Um, we know there are other economic concerns. Unemployment is very, very good in terms of low numbers, but inflation is a major issue and something that's concerning Americans right now. Um, of course, the Build Back Better America uh, Act and questions within the Democratic Party, particularly in the Senate, when you have Mansion and Cinema um, seeming to, to disagree with the rest of the party, uh, all of these things, but creating a, a coalition within the party themselves to pass uh, through their agenda. I think that's going to be the biggest thing in the next coming months.
0: Abdul, 30 seconds. Uh, what are you watching for here now that we're into the new year, 2022?
8: Absolutely nothing. It is midterm election season. Nothing is going to get done. How's that for 30 seconds?
0: There, You said it in five. So there you go. <laughs> we appreciate it. The panel will be back here coming up in just a few minutes with this week's winners and losers. Also ahead, Congress preparing to mark the one-year anniversary of the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. Well, this coming week marks the one-year anniversary of the January 6th riots. In the time since, Congress has begun to investigate the attacks and the former president's role in the events of that day. Former President Trump says he'll hold a press conference Thursday to mark the one-year anniversary. Still not clear exactly what that will involve. Meantime, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says Congress will hold a solemn remembrance on Capitol Hill to remember the tragic events in our nation's capital that day. Stick around. We're back to wrap things up right after this. All right, time for this week's
8: winners and losers. Abdul, I'll start with you. Uh, my winners this week kind of goes back to January 6th of last year is Mike Pence uh, for setting up and making sure that everything got done to certify the election. And my losers uh, also go back to January 6th. And the people who stormed the Capitol, it was not a not a, a civil protest. It was an insurgency. It was a treat. It was re- And it, frankly, was treasonous. They should have been charged with treason as such. Laura.
5: My winners this week are the victims and also the advocates trying to stop and end sex trafficking with the guilty verdict of five out of six counts for Ghislaine Maxwell earlier this week. And then also the unemployment numbers. They're actually the lowest they've been since October 1969. Now, the loser, of course, would be the inverse of that. And uh, it's the problem we're having right now with inflation, something we definitely need to work on.
0: Tony.
7: Loser for the week and for the year is Joe Biden. Inflation rate is at 6.7%. 16, at least 16 cities have hit homicide uh, records across the country. Crime is surging. Uh, the debacle of the withdrawal in Afghanistan causing American lives and Afghan lives uh, was, was another tragedy and, and another crisis. Uh, and, and, and the jobs and, and the economy, is there. it's not coming back the way that it should. Uh, my winner for the week is my mom, Ruth, who uh, watches the show and uh, it's her birthday this week. So happy
0: birthday mom. Yeah, happy birthday and happy new year to her. Robin,
2: you get the last word. Uh, winners are the Capitol Police who saved our democracy. Uh, those medical professionals who came up with the vaccine to save our lives. And quite frankly, you, Dan, for demonstrating that there can be bipartisanship and folks can get along when we're from different parties and divergent views. We
0: appreciate that. We appreciate all of you on our panel, all of you for watching. Happy New Year to you. We'll see you again on next week's edition of In Focus.